If you have a Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 6. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and they'll get you one. We're continuing our conversation on the kingdom of God. It's entitled This Beautiful Mess. Again, I've taken these talks uh, from some things that I had read in Rick McKinley's book entitled This Beautiful Mess. I think it's interesting that Jesus spent so much time talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and we spend, or at least I have spent so little time understanding what he means. Most of the time it is something I just push off into the future somewhere. When I die, there's going to be the kingdom of heaven. But throughout Jesus' time and ministry, as he would bring up this phrase, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, over and over again, we actually see that it is not something that is just in the distance, that it is something that is taking place right now. With the king, Jesus, comes the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is among you. Repent and believe the good news. He would tell the man, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven because his belief in Christ was such that he understood what was taking place. Jesus even said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And then he gave parables, illustrations to help us understand, wrap our minds around what the kingdom of heaven is. And he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out in the field and, and he planted wheats. But in the night, an enemy came and he planted weeds, tares beside it. And so the wheat and the tares grew up right next to each other. And his servants came and said, Master, look at someone has done this. What should we do? Should we go and tear out the weeds? And he said, no, otherwise you're going to tear up some of the wheat as well. Let them grow together. And at the end of the age, the angels will come and bring a harvest. And so we see that there is this kingdom of that's taking place where there is wheat, the good things, and there is weeds, the terrors, the evil things, and they're growing up side by side. And, and the kingdom of God is the things of God pushing into the reality of this mess we live in. And, and we see it all around us. Got to go to Joanne's uh, brother's funeral service. And hearing the, the talk and testimony of what took place in her brother's life and in between her brother and herself and the family, how there was separation and there was a lot of difficulty, but then there came healing, there came forgiveness, there came this beautiful expression of who Jesus is in the midst of some hurt. And that's just like God. He's always doing things like that. He is moving forward. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Even though it's the tiniest of seeds, it grows into be one of the biggest of bushes. It is something that is active. It's progressive. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that's put into this bread. And then it permeates and grows throughout the entire thing. It, it starts off small, but it is moving. And so we find ourselves living in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is among us. It is showing up in our lives and in this time that we live. We saw the characteristics of the kingdom of God in the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke.
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All these things are part of the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. And last week we looked at the kingdom of heaven, how it shows up in the theology of children. Jesus, three times in Matthew's Gospels, brings children to him and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. You're, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven unless you become like these children. And we looked at what it meant to be like a child. The trust that is necessary, the faith that is necessary, the dependence, the desire to participate the willingness to receive. When we get to be older, we have a hard time receiving. We, we kind of talked about how punishment for children is giving them a time out, taking them out of community. Stop playing with your friends. You can't go to the party. You can't do this thing. You're, you're being punished. But if you were asked most moms if they would like a time out, they would love it. They would welcome. Thank you. Yes, I'll have a time out, please. Something has happened where we used to want to be involved and now we want to be alone. And you see, I think our hearts are always trying to find a safe harbor, some port that we can park ourselves in and feel secure. Some place where we can say, okay, I, I can rest. I can have peace. I can take it easy. There's a a saying you guys may have heard, a ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. Ships are built to go out and to explore. But for some reason, exploration isn't always on the top of our minds. We're not always looking for exploration. We're looking for the harbor. We, we've changed that scenario. And so now the kingdom of heaven, when it starts pushing at us, you know, there is a work that God is doing and he's inviting you to be a part of it, but it's out there. It's in your community. It's at your work in those relationships that you're just trying to kind of avoid. Or it's taking place in even other parts of the world. It's showing up everywhere. You don't have to go to Mexico, go to Haiti, go to Africa for the kingdom of heaven to show up. In fact, if you don't want to go to Haiti, you probably shouldn't. You'd be no, doing more harm than good. But there is a work that needs to take place, and it's pushing us out. There's another, it's not really a motivational, it's kind of a demotivational poster I saw. I like this one. It says, fear. Until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore, you will not know the terror of being forever lost at sea. Does that make you feel uneasy? It's supposed to. I know you guys are waiting. I don't feel so good about this. But that's how I think most of us feel. We feel like, I don't want to leave the port because I don't want to get lost at sea. I don't want to go out of my comfort zone. I'm trying to find a bigger comfort zone. I don't want to go out and explore the ocean. Hey, let's take a boat and let's, you know, travel to the other side of the world. No, that's okay. I'm just going to walk. I'll stay on land. Don't want to really do anything, you know. I 
trying to establish myself here. I'm trying to get comfortable. And so Jesus, again, challenges us, the the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to challenge us with where we put our treasure. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And he starts off, do not. Now, I, I know we don't really read it this way, but this is kind of a command, okay? When Jesus says, do not, you probably shouldn't. But I, I don't know what it is. Many times we read these things and we kind of gloss, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he's, uh, that's a nice little saying. No, Jesus is saying, do not. Okay, just to get it clear in our mind where we're starting. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus comes along and he says that all the things that we are banking our life on are insecure things. If we are putting our treasure on the things of this earth, all the things that we are investing in to try and find this stability, this security, he's saying are actually insecurities. And then he gives us an alternative. There is another place where you can invest your money, your treasure, invest yourself in the kingdom of heaven instead. Now, the people that Jesus is speaking to at this time, they're in the same situations that we are. They're wanting to make ends meet. They're wanting to to get a better house, a better car, a better... Maybe not a better car. The cars weren't invented back then. So, but it, maybe a better chariot, center lines or something. You know, I just they're they're still wanting things that make them people of status. They're wanting things that bring comfort into their lives. They're wanting the same things that we want. And so, the people he's speaking to are people just like you and I. And Jesus is telling them, don't put your treasure. And I love that word, treasure, because it has more than just to do with money. It has to do with desire. It has to do with an idea. It has to do with things that really we're finding an identity in. We can have a false security, I think, many times and think that if we have enough money we're going to be okay no matter what happens. And it doesn't seem to matter 
how much you have. It's never quite enough to make you feel secure. But we still try and have enough. And Jesus gives us this illustration if you are banking on these things. If you're trying to, to port your heart in this area, it's not going to be stable. Moths, vermin, rust, all these things, thieves can come in and take it away. And it's true. When Karina and I were first married, we had our own little place. And you know when you get your own little place, how you want to fix it up. Well, she had her little way of fixing things up. I had my way of fixing things up. My way had to do with the entertainment center. I had the, the TV. And back then, okay, don't laugh, but I had a, a big screen. It was 36 inches. It was big back then. And it wasn't just a regular TV. It was a TV monitor because I had a VCR that was hi-fi definition. That's right. It had hi-fi VCR. And not only was it a hi-fi VCR, it was a convertible. You could take it out and use it with your camera. It was trick. And not only that, I had a stereo system. And it had to be like 80 watts per side. And the worst thing is about it, looking back, for this TV, it cost me almost $1,000. And for this VCR, it cost almost another 1000 For a VCR, think about that. I know, I go into Best Buy now and I see them for $24. And that's, oh, I just want to kill him. I was like, what was I... And the stereo, again, put a lot of money in. I was serious about my house. I did it for the wife. And the children, I wanted them to have the best experience of Star Wars and those things. We moved into another place to make room for the kids. One day we come home, front door's open. Huh, that's kind of weird. Go inside, it's all gone. It's all gone. I wasn't even done paying for it. I still had credit payments, paying for things that I didn't have. I didn't have insurance for it or anything. And so these words have a deep spot in my heart. <laughs> all of a sudden it's gone. And I remember, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, all our stuff. You see, this wasn't just a TV. This was a babysitter. We had three children, okay? This was, this was necessary. You guys mock my parenting skills, but I know you were there too. Oh no, we don't watch TV. Oh, shut up. You put on Sesame Street. You do whatever you can to get that half hour, you know? How long is this video? 35 minutes. Is there a longer one? Yeah, 40 minutes. Yes, that's a 40-minute video. That might buy us a nap, you know? It's one of those things. I digress. Uh, and I remember coming, Kareen coming home and the police are there and I'm saying, yeah, we got robbed, it's all gone. And I remember drawing a picture of our children and putting it where the TV used to be. And I go, well, this is our entertainment now. We're gonna just have to watch the kids. And, and, 
it helps me to realize, you know what, all that is just stuff. But we like the stuff. I still like the stuff. I still like going to Best Buy. I still drool every now and then. Oh, look at that. LED, 61 inch. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, I still like the stuff. But you see, we can attach ourselves to the things we invest in. We can be connected to whatever our money is connected to. Might be a house. Might be your children. Might be a car. Might be your position at work, your job. Anything that you invest yourself in, it becomes a part of you. It starts to take this form within you. You start to be protective of those things. You start to identify with those things more and more. And it's something that happens to us just as we go through these things. And so as we attach ourselves to the things that we invest in, we recognize that that is going to occupy a focus of our time. And sometimes we invest in things that aren't going to yield a return, but we still get locked into them. We still care about them. And some of them are good things. Babies. What do you get from babies? You get throw up, you get poop, you get lack of sleep. What do they give you, really? <laughs> All you parents are going, wow, man, I didn't come to church for this. You might get a giggle every now and then, a little laugh, but you're vested in them. You devote yourself to them, and all of a sudden you find out that they are the most important things in your life. Why? Because you're connected. I have to feed them, I have to bathe them, I have to change them have to burp them, have to entertain them, have to educate them, have to raise them up. They involve your life and pretty soon, man, you're connected to these kids. You've invested your life and now they are a part of your life. Well, that happens with everything. It doesn't just happen with kids. It happens with pets. I'm a dog trainer. I can tell you stories about how people invest in their pets. I'd like to go and live in some of these houses and be one of their pets. <laughs> this is the, your dog's room? <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> but we invest ourselves in those things, and sometimes we invest in things that don't have a return. But we hang on to that and we keep investing to that. You guys remember the Zune player, the MP3, Microsoft? Did anyone have a Zune player? Okay, God bless the three of us, four of us. There are no more Zune players. Microsoft, a long time ago, should have said, you know what, this ain't working, we need to just quit. But they finally did last year. But they were holding on, holding on, holding on. And it didn't bring any return. It didn't bring any investment. It didn't bring what they 
needed. And so finally they had to let it go. You know, when do we learn to let some things go? When do we learn that, you know, investing my life in this situation in this way is not really the best thing for me. Investing my life and putting in 70 hours a week just to try and get that promotion, but sacrificing those things with my family, it really isn't the best place to invest my life because I'm trying to get what? Security. I'm trying to get enough money. I'm trying to get ahead. I'm trying to get that place. I'm trying to get something where Moths can eat it, vermin can chew it up, thieves can break in and steal. And then all it takes is a change of health and it's all gone. But you are vested in it. And many times we see that this is something that we do to our detriment. What do you want to be attached to? Maybe we should ask that question. What do I want to be attached to? Because then recognize that the things that you treasure, the things that you invest your time and money in are the things you are going to be attached to. What do you want to be attached to? Because it works the opposite too. Not only if you invest in things that are going to be taken away or can be taken away, you, you can invest, Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven where those things don't happen. And so you can invest in other things and you can connect yourself to other things. And I think sometimes we fail to see that we can actually invest in the kingdom of heaven, that we can actually buy stock, so to speak, in those things that are a part of the work of God, that we can contribute in this way. And so this isn't about becoming poor and having nothing. Okay, Jesus didn't say, stop working. No, he said, store up treasure in the kingdom of heaven. You got to work. It's... Something they, even in the garden before the fall, man had to work. It wasn't a bad thing. And we talked about this when we went through Ecclesiastes, that we want to work for meaning and not just money. That if we're going to have to spend this time, let's invest our lives in something that has meaning to us. And it could be anything. You could be a custodian and it can have meaning. It's not like some jobs have meaning and some don't. It's how you, again, invest yourself in those things. But Jesus isn't saying, don't work. He's just saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, so it, it's not about not working, but it's investing what you have into the kingdom because what you invest in, your heart will follow. So how do you invest in the kingdom of heaven? What do you do that connects you to this thing that we've been talking about, the kingdom of God, this work that is taking place? There are so many ways. You know, I, I would hate for you to go away with the impression that it's just about your money and give your money to a church. We don't even collect the offering. 
because I, I'm so aware that finances can be a, a touchy subject. But your money is a resource for the kingdom of heaven. Last year, we gave over $8,000 towards Haiti. We've given a few thousand dollars towards Mexico every year, probably about four, actually about $6,000 towards Mexico. Those are areas where we can invest into the kingdom of heaven, where we're, we're doing work that takes with it this understanding of who Jesus is, the message of Christ. You can invest your time in people. Giving of yourself to help others in need. That, that's investing in the kingdom of heaven. That's storing up treasure. That's getting benefits from those things. And that has a good return. I, I used to teach high school group years ago. And, and I had, you know, this group of high school kids. And, and you guys remember when you were in high school, if you're still in high school... Just ignore what I'm about to say. Uh, but back then, you, you thought you had it all together. You thought you knew it all. Now, if you're in high school, you can shake your head and say, well, I do. <laughs> and so I was you know, leading this group of high schoolers, and they were so obnoxious. Uh, I mean, I love them and all, but boy, they would just, you know you'd ask them a question or they would just want to taunt you, to taunt you, you know, well, uh, what about robots? Do robots go to heaven? No, robots don't go to heaven. <laughs> well, what if you put a heart in a robot? <laughs> you know, I'm just there, God, is this really what you've called me to? But they, I would just go back and forth with them, and I would try. I had this one kid who I was, you know, investing my time with, it, and he calls me up one day. I was working at the church. He calls the church office, and he says, yeah, I need to talk to Sam. I go, hey, Mark, how's it going? He goes, well, I just ran away from home. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you ran away. And I, I'm all excited, right? This is ministry. Mark ran away from home. I'm going to save him. I'm going to get him back into us. You know, he's on the streets right now. This poor guy, he's, I got to help Mark out. And I'm like, what's happening, man? Yeah, I, I ran away. I go, where are you? I'm down at 7-Eleven here at Fremont by the freeway. Hey, stay there, man. I'll be there in a minute. Get in my little truck, vroom, flying down. I'm thinking, okay, God. So this is ministry. Okay, what am I going to say to Mark? Mark's going to, what's he going to say to me? And I'm rehearsing it in my head. Okay, yeah, he's going to, where are you going to live? You know, what can you do for work, for food? You know, what's going on with your family? Finally get there and there's Mark by the phone standing there. And I go, hey man, what's up? And I asked him all those questions I rehearsed in my head. So why'd you leave? Well, I'm not getting along with my parents. Typical stuff, you know. Oh, really? Oh, man, okay. So what's going on? So, so what are you going to do, Mark? What are your plans? What, if you're out of the house, where are you going to go? I'm as serious as can be. I'm here to help this young man. And he looks at me with a straight face and he says, I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to be a ninja. (laughs) 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 
And again, I ask myself the question, so the Lord, this is ministry? <laughs> and so, that still strikes me to this day. It caught me totally off guard. But I remember a few years back, talking with one of these young men who was in the high school group, not Mark. I don't know if he ever became a ninja or not. I know he did go back home, but probably good for both Japan and him. But I remember talking with this one young man, and he is active and involved in the things that God is doing. He's actually a youth uh, pastor up north. And I remember him telling me, you know, I just want to thank you for all that time you spent with us and we were all squirrely. And, you know, now I'm doing all these things and I'm involved with the things of God. And, you know, part of me is just like, oh, that's so neat. That's so neat. Part of me is thinking, where were you when you were in high school? You were the squirreliest little thing and now you all got it together. You know what heartburn you gave me? But... There is an investment that carries through that goes further in the things that belong to the kingdom of heaven. When you invest in people, when you bring to light who Jesus is to the lives of others, you're investing in the kingdom of heaven. When you contribute your finances towards the work and the things in this regard, you're investing in the kingdom of heaven. When you go and eat a sandwich afterwards that helps a junior high school go to camp, you're investing in the kingdom of heaven. And so it's taking place all around us. And then Jesus goes on and he gives us this cool illustration. In verse 22 he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You guys ever hear the expression, their eyes lit up? And you can see it. When a kid gets a new toy, eyes light up. I mean, the eyes, you can tell so many things just by the eyes. When the police pull you over, they look at your eyes. You can tell if you're high, your eyes are awful red. They can tell if you're drunk, your eyes are awful glossy. Follow the light. They're not tracking, something's wrong. They look at your eyes and they can tell what's going on with you. And so your eyes kind of have this window that gives an understanding. And so Jesus is saying, if, what if your li eyes light up? for the things that are darkness? What if your eyes are lighting up for the things that are not of the kingdom? What if your eyes are lighting up just on the stuff? What if the only time your li eyes light up is when you go to Best Buy, or you go to the furniture show, or you go to the clothing store? I'm gonna cover all of us here, okay? You go to the car dealer, you go to the jeweler, you, music store, thank you. Did I miss anything? What's that? Bass Pro Shop, okay. <laughs> Is that the only place your eyes light up? 
is when you're seeing the things. And, and you guys know like I know. You've experienced like I've experienced. The stuff is exciting. It's an adrenaline rush. It, it's what you do when you're depressed, right? You, you go shopping to help me feel good again. And then you go and you spend money and then you feel bad because you know you didn't have that much money to spend, but you bought it anyway and then you think, well, it's okay, I needed to get those things. I didn't have enough shoes, right? And so I needed to get those things. And you feel good about it, all right. But what happens? After a period of time, you have a Blackberry, this was exciting at one time. This phone was hot. Really. And they still are in Haiti. When I'm done with this, I'm going to give it to someone in Haiti. That was exciting. That car, you know, man, that 1987 Toyota was the bomb in 1987. And you were in the car then thinking, yeah, brand new. But if you have a 1987 Toyota Corolla now, yeah, it's not impressive. At the time, your eyes lit up, but where is it now? It's rusty. Oil's on the driveway. The buttons are sticking. It takes forever for messages to go through. You can't do all the cool stuff online like your wife can with her iPhone. <laughs> Am I getting too personal here? What makes your eyes light up? More money? New gadgets? Shopping? Your eyes are lighting up over something that is dark. How great is that darkness? If that is where you are invested, your heart is connected to those things and that is your life. You're wrapping your life up in those things. But if your eyes light up when you have the ability to help someone, when you provide things that are good or for a good cause, then it's a good thing. It, it's something that is there and it's meant to be helpful. In Second Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 9, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so our eyes are to light up when we're giving towards the kingdom of heaven. Our eyes are to light up when we are investing our lives in the things that further the cause of Christ. Our eyes are to light up. It is supposed to be something that sparks within us, that gets us excited again that helps us to connect to this kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on and he talks about a divided heart. Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Again, God's kingdom isn't out to get your money. It's out to get your heart. It's out to get you to invest your life in something that is going to draw you with it. It is going to draw your life where you invest your time, where you invest your money. 
it is going to take you with it. And, and so Jesus isn't out there saying, hey, you need to give towards the temple. Hey, you need to give towards the church. I'm not here saying, hey, you need to give towards Genesis. What Jesus is saying is where you give, you are going to follow. And you can't serve God and live for money. You can't do it. Now, this is touchy to us here in our Western world because money has become our identity. Let me ask you, would you rather your child was wealthy, happy, or good? What's most important to you? That your kid is financially set? That they're happy or that they're good? Well, we, most of us would probably say, well, I want my kids to be happy. What if they're happy doing things that aren't healthy? They're really happy when they're drunk. They laugh all the time. Well, I want them to be financially... And, and we push our kids to, to do well financially. We want them in college, we want them those things. But how many of us think we really want our children to be good? That's what I want. I want my kid to be good. I want them to treat other people right. I want him to love his wife the right way. I want her to be a good wife to her husband, a good mom to her children. I want them to respect the people around them and to do good to the people around them. Is that what we are pushing towards? Or has our whole focus been, no, I want my kids to be happy. To get happy, I need to buy more things. Now, we don't say that, but we do that. We do that a lot. For my child to be happy, I need to buy them the latest, the greatest, because all the kids have them. I remember when my son went to this school, and we bought him some new tennis shoes. We took him to Target, and we got him skaters, they were called. He wore his skaters to school. None of the other kids had skaters. They had Etnies, they had, you know, DC, they had all the legit shoes that Scott probably sells. I blame you, Scott. My kid got put down for wearing skaters. He came home, where'd you get these shoes? <laughs> Why, son? They're, they're skaters. That's a cool name. He was so excited about them when he first got them. But man, one day at school with the skaters and he was not happening. He needed the etnies. He needed the other shoes. And we had to get them for him because we want our kid to be happy. We just are so moved by these things. But what I really want is my kids to be good. And what God really wants is the same for us. You see, there's a sense of dissatisfaction that takes place when we treasure the wrong things. The excitement, the rush from the shopping, from the getting the stuff, from the doing these things that we get fades. And we only want more. We want the newer. We want the better. We want the bigger. We want the faster. And we always just want more. And it's a black hole that's within us. 
And the ad agencies know that. Your car, they, they, they want you to know that your car stinks. It does. You need this car. If you had this car, you'd be going to these parties with these people. They don't say, hey, you know what? I know your car probably runs okay. And you probably got a few more years. It could last at least a good 10, maybe 12 years. And so when you're ready to buy, they don't say that. They say, wouldn't you like to be in this car? And they got the guy sliding. You know, and they got the music playing. And you're there going, yeah, yeah. I need that car. Because they're trying to appeal to this drive, this desire. And you see, I, I don't need a new car. I know I don't. But I want one. I got a truck. I want a car. It was my son's truck. I inherited it. Why do I want it? Because look at them. Look at that one. And, and I work in Orange County all the time, and I'll pull into this area, and I'm like, here my Toyota truck, and I'm like, okay, Land Cruiser, BMW, Lexus, Mercedes, Maserati, Porsche, Toyota. <laughs> here I am. And I, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like everyone's looking at me. I get out, the door opens up, you know, and there they are with their Chanel bags and Chanel dogs. And who are you? I'm the dog trainer. Show me the room where your dog lives. <laughs> And our identity can be shaken by the things and the pressure around us. But Jesus says, you can't live for God and be living for money. You see, because the idea of living for money is you want for yourself. And the idea of living for God is God wants you. I'm living for God, not for myself. And so that's going to involve the things I invest in my time, with my money, with my priorities. It's going to invest all that I have. Paul told Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like is being rich in good deeds, being generous, be willing to share. Willing to share what? I'll leave that up to you. Maybe willing to share a room to someone who needs it. Maybe willing to share the things that you have surplus in. Maybe willing to share what you have to offer that can benefit others. What does God want you to share? And what good deeds does he want you to invest in and how? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's serving a group of people. 
But there has to be an understanding that the kingdom of heaven, as we've talked about before, has to be a priority. And it's something that we can invest in now with our time, with our money, with our resources. And so do not, these aren't my words, these are Jesus' words, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. And I pray God would help you to see what those are. Let's pray. Lord, I, I don't know how everyone received these things. I know it's awkward for me to talk about these things because we hold our wallets close to our hearts. We, we are very private in our giving. We're very private in how we spend. We're very private in how we invest of ourselves. We, we very much can be people who find our identity in the things that we do. And so we guard those things. But Lord, you had no problem calling these things out. You had no problem just throwing them out there and sh sharing them in such a way that confronts us and forces us to ask ourselves some hard questions good questions, deep questions. Lord, to help us see the direction of our life based on what we invest our lives in. Lord, help us to see that maybe we are putting stock in the wrong things. Maybe we are trying to find the biggest and safest port to park our hearts trying to find some kind of security. And maybe we're trying to find it in all the wrong places. And you're helping us to see that there is a kingdom present and here right now that we can involve ourselves in, that we can involve our money in, we can involve our families in, that we can involve who we are in. And Lord, you reveal those things to us. Lord, they are different for everyone. And Lord, it, it's supposed to light up our life. It is supposed to be something we do joyfully when we are investing in this kingdom. Lord, we are supposed to do it willingly. Lord, we are supposed to encourage each other towards these good deeds and towards sharing. These are investing in the right things. These are representing you. And so I pray you would help us to process all that was said here. I, I pray that it would be clear, Lord, that you're not after our money. You're after our hearts. Lord, what are we holding on to more? You or our money? What do we really care more about? And Father, it's a good thing to admit the truth if it is money. It's a good thing to re-examine our lives and change direction. Lord, that's why you said these things. And so I pray we would search our hearts, Lord, that we would allow you to speak into our lives at this place 
and that we would start investing in things that will bring eternal dividends that will light up our eyes that will inspire our lives Lord may we invest in you and I ask these things in Jesus name Amen